to the Healing She Got Faith show. Happy Monday. Happy March. This is our first episode in March. I believe this is episode 17, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I'm excited because March, we got a couple things going on. We have Social Work Month, which y'all know we're going to be hitting it up because you know your girl is a community social worker. It's also Women's History Month. And then, of course, we have 314 Day. If you're from St. Louis, you already know what's up. Yes, it's a whole holiday um, that we have created and we definitely celebrate every year. So it is definitely one of those months that we have a lot to celebrate, a lot to talk about. Um, February was so good, y'all. Like, we had a guest every week, which means we had grief beyond death every week. So it was so good for y'all to see just different people and different grieving and having those harder conversations and just really realizing what it is that grief is, what is self-love. We talk a lot about love, loving our passion, loving ourselves, loving health, just different types of love and just different things and different perspectives from people. So it was so dope. Shout out to everybody that was a guest on the show. We had Alana Marie, we had Elena Dillard, we had Nanny Brown, we had Drea Love. So many dope souls that dropped by and then she got faith strong. We are so grateful. So thank you all. I'm hoping March is just as exciting. I'm hoping March is just as good. Um, Healing She Got Faith has been doing some major things and I'm super, super excited about that, y'all. So, I don't have to do an introduction. Y'all know who I am, the founder, your self-love advocate, the Healing She Got Faith show, and you're listening to us only on Total Entertainment Radio every Monday at 3 p.m. Central. I have missed y'all. I, I wonder if y'all miss me. Y'all gonna have to let me know. Y'all, y'all miss me with, you know, not just me, but having guests, because we definitely had a guest every week last month. <laughs> but I'm back. And I'm here, and we're definitely going to talk about social work, y'all. I'm going to give y'all the history, but it's going to be fun. This, this ain't going to be no history class, but you might want to take notes because I might give you a quiz. No. <laughs> Anyways, let's go ahead and pick our cards. I am picking from the self-care wisdom cards and self-love, which throughout the month of February, we picked through those cards. Um, they were two newer decks that I had bought right before February, and they just fit so well with self-love, self-care. As I'm here by myself this morning, um, or this afternoon, I should say, um, I I just need some self-love and self-care, and so I went to those. I picked four different cards, so let's start with the self-care wisdom cards, which is focus, and it says, if you focus on what you don't want, there's a good chance you might get it. Focus on what you do want instead. Okay, okay. Um, invitation. The words you speak are an invitation to life. A request to bring energy into form. Choose your words carefully. I'm going to read that again. The words you speak are an invitation to life. A request to bring energy into form. Choose your words wisely. We're going to talk about that, y'all. Because that, that right there... Okay. All right. Um, self-love. What's about the self-love deck of cards? Ride the wave of unconditional love towards the self. 
until the momentum of the wave is naturally slowed, allow the next conscious moment to surface and ride the wave once again. In this moment, you will be granted the opportunity to reinforce the connection and augment the emittance frequency. It is in this conscious moment that the emittance frequency of self-love is at its strongest. Okay. Inward, the quality of the internal connection affects the quality of the external experience. Yes. So, whew. so I did pick these before I came on air, but like I didn't read them. So, kind of just read me my life. Um, so, focus. I have been so focused on Lisa and healing. She got faith these last couple really since 2022 began if you all remember i had got a new business partner and we were meeting almost every day and just really getting things done fulfilling goals like literally with meeting with her i got more done in january than i did all of 2021 so just being really focused but also too with myself because i'm very much in this self-awareness um phase of my life that i just honestly need to focus on me and really focus on what it is that I'm trying to do and really stop listening to the opinions of other people. Stop listening to people who they want the best for me, but they don't really and truly understand what it is that I am really trying to um, accomplish, I guess is the word to say. And so just focusing, and so the card reads, if you focus on what you don't want, there's a good chance you might get it. Focus on what you want instead. And I agree with this because for so long, I've always focused on what I didn't have, what I won't ever get, what won't ever happen. I used to tell, and this is pertaining to a dating life, but I used to, I've dated some of the most trashiest men ever, y'all. Like the men I've dated, like shouldn't even have made it past hello, Okay. Um, that's a conversation that we can have for a different day because that, you know, I don't, when I talk about my dating life, I want y'all to understand I'm coming from a place of where I'm healed and where I'm understanding why I was dating the men that I was dating and why I allowed the stuff. Because a lot of times with people, we don't really understand what we're doing until after the situation. And so a lot of it for me was, um, you know, I was just doing things that I was taught. I was just doing stuff that I thought was right. I didn't know that this was toxic behavior. I didn't know this was depressive episodes. So with that being said, there's been a lot of inner work that I've to do. And I'm very open about that. I It doesn't bother me. It bothers other people because they're like, well, that's embarrassing. It is embarrassing because I'm a dope woman. But at the end of the day, you have to do the self-work to get to that point. Anyways, with that being said, what I used to tell these men is like, what I want doesn't exist. Of course it doesn't exist because I'm telling myself it doesn't exist. And, you know, having to beg somebody for for that attention that you shouldn't have to beg for, like you chose to be in this relationship, like, you know, give what you're going to give. And if that's all you're going to give, I have the right to leave. Um, I used to just tell, like, I wanted it so bad from a particular person when that person couldn't get to me, like, that was what I used to say, like, what I want doesn't exist, which is so hurtful to yourself, which really, it was so hurtful to me, because then I started to believe that, like, of course I didn't, so then every relationship after that, 
oh my god like yeah it, it was everything i didn't freaking want so yeah focus on what you want like even right now like my business is not where i want it to be but it's definitely not hurting so like focusing on like this is what i want out of my business this is what i want healing she got faith to be doing this is what i literally text um one of the founders of total entertainment radio last week and was like yo like I know we don't talk often or we haven't talked in a while, but like, I really believe in this station. I really believe in my show. And like, I've been talking about you to people in St. Louis, like we're going to have a satellite station here, you know? And she was just like, wow, like God's timing, God's timing is here. And until God's timing works, y'all, like Lisa's put in the work, like I'm focused on this success. I'm focused on the healing of the community. I'm focused on what I really and genuinely desire because never before this time have I ever desired it, y'all. And I'm here at that point where I'm like, no, I'm going to focus on me. I grew up in a family that was very selfless. And I grew up in a family that did everything for everybody else, even when they had nothing. And why I think that is so beautiful at such a young age, because that is what I saw and what I practiced, I got burnt out. Because I wasn't putting that focus in myself. I was putting that focus in everybody else. And I got burnt out. And I didn't like it. So here I am in therapy twice a week. I got a whole organization about grief. I'm doing grief work on a daily, not just on people, but on myself. I had to focus on me. So, bam, focus. This one, invitation. The words you speak are an invitation to life, a request to bring energy into form. Choose your words wisely. Let me tell y'all a little something about us Nolans, okay? We have this phrase where we say it's the Nolans, the Nolan curse. I have heard this since I was younger. I have constantly heard like, oh, we're Nolans. That's just kind of what it is. That's kind of just whatever. So anytime, anytime something goes wrong or anytime something doesn't go right, we always just say, oh, it's a Nolan curse. As I have been into therapy, as I have been on my healing journey, I've learned that words are very powerful. Now, I've always heard that, like, your words, you know, the tongue holds a lot of power. And I never really quite believed it because I never really quite understood it. So, with that being said, the words you speak are invitation to life. The words you speak are an invitation to life, a request to bring energy into form. Choose your words carefully. So, let me tell y'all something. I have stopped saying that it's the known curse. I have stopped looking at life as everything bad just always happens. I have stopped looking at life as if I am constantly losing, but I have started to look at life in the sense of, listen, this is what was given to me. I'm going to one, learn from it. I'm going to two, take responsibility for my part and three i'm going to embrace it regardless 
if it's what I want, if it's what I expected, if it is disappointing. I'm going to embrace my emotions. I'm going to be very honest about my emotions, but I'm going to start speaking life over me. Because that was one thing I wasn't taught. I wasn't taught to speak life over me. I was taught that your life is bad. So now that I'm aware, I'm definitely careful about the words that I choose because honey, it exists. Because even from what I said earlier, what I want doesn't exist and oh, the Nolan curse. Well, you're right, your life is going to be horrible because that's what you're saying your life is going to be. And there's more to go into that. But what I'm saying is when we start this healing journey, when we really start to look at our life, when we really start to really embrace who we are, we do become more mindful of the words. We are so mean to ourselves, y'all. And we have to stop being mean to ourselves. We wouldn't be mean to the next person, give or take. Um, so why are we so mean to ourselves? Let's start loving on ourselves. What's healing she has favorite quote? Love you the way you love the world, y'all. Let's start that. We got some more cards. Okay. So from the self-love deck, of course, it says ride the wave of unconditional love towards the self. And then the other one says, in word, the quality of internal connection affects the quality of the external experience. So honestly, like, I think all four of these cards go hand in hand because it all comes back to you have to give yourself that unconditional love that you're giving everybody else. You have to allow yourself to be in love with you. And then the, the N word, we have to be okay inside. One, I heard this quote from uh, my best friend's mom a long time ago, like, when your home is not good, everything else won't be good. So a lot of us were miserable at work, we're miserable in our relationships, we're miserable with our family. And a lot of times it's because our home, whether that's physical or our body, isn't right. You know, if we think about it with our body, if our body isn't healthy, we're never going to be comfortable. There's too much going on. Our body is trying to stay alive. And um, the physical manifests into emotional, but also to what like westernized medicine will teach you is like your mental and emotional will manifest into a physical. So we have to be mindful of that. So when the N-word isn't right, the external isn't going to be right. And we have to learn that. It's not something that you will learn overnight. It's not something that you like wake up one day and it's like, ah, hey, it's here. No, it's something that you have to work on daily. And even when you don't work on it daily, you just have to pick yourself up and pick up where you left off. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, y'all, you are not going to have good days every day. Like, I know social media um, and I like there's a such thing as positivity gaslighting. Okay. There, it doesn't matter how much therapy, how much self-love, how much self-care you have. There will be days that you literally just don't want to wake up. Like, literally, you don't want to wake up. And that's important to know because at the end of the day, some of us are sitting here like, why am I doing all of this and I'm still miserable? And it's because it's, you're not going to have a good day every day. You're not going to be happy every day. Someday, there's a such thing as the winter blues. There's a such thing as depression. There's a such thing as anxiety. One thing that I'm going through as we speak is situational depression. 
which I'm glad there's a conversation happening around situational depression, which we will have an episode on that. We will talk about that. But when I first got diagnosed with situational depression, I was younger. I was in my early 20s. And nobody believed that was a term, y'all. And it's definitely a term. And it's definitely something real. Now there's more talk about situational depression. And as we speak, because there's a lot of changes going on in my life, your girl is struggling. Not saying that I'm not getting up and not saying I'm not taking responsibility for myself. But yeah, it's a real thing. Even my therapist said it the other day. She, I was, she was like, how are you? I'm like, I'm very fatigued. She was like, are you catching a cold or is it depression? Yeah, that's a hard question to ask. It's an answer. Because I was like, you know, I'm not getting sick. And as much as I don't want to admit it, it's definitely my depression. And we had to talk about it, y'all. So anyways, that was a long introduction. I missed y'all. Can you tell? Okay. So y'all, let's take a break. When we come back. We are going to talk about social work, okay? Welcome back to the Healing She Got Faith Show. It is a Monday. I am so happy to be here with you. It's March. It's our first episode in March. I'm so excited. Um, it is also Social Work Month. I can say it's um a lot today. I I, I must be nervous because it's just me today. I'm used to having all these <laughs> guests with me. But nevertheless, we are here. We are alive. We are pulling some amazing affirmation cards, okay? Because that was a good introduction. Anyways, it is Social Work Month. It is Women's History Month. Let me tell you, I am a woman. I am a social worker. Also... March 14th is 314 day. And so if you're from St. Louis, you already know it is a national holiday for us. So with that being said, yeah, I do want to come in and talk to y'all about social work. One, because social workers do not get the recognition that we deserve. Also, too, a lot of people just don't know what social work is. I am a community social worker, which means I work on a macro level. So when you think about social work, there are three sections. You have micro. You have macro and you have meso, which really should go micro, meso, macro. And I want to come here and just kind of talk to you all about it because, one, how I got into social work is very interesting. And how I hate the education system but love social work is also very interesting. And I also want to talk to you all about me being a community social worker and just the experience with that and what that has looked like. So when you think of social work, most people think of people working for the state, taking away babies, and just kind of like your typical whatever they show on TV type of thing, which honestly, when they portray social work on um, TV, it's not really like the correct, like, for example, if you look at law and order SUV, like, Olivia Benson acts as a social worker, but really they have her as a criminal justice because she's a detective or a sergeant. Um, but how she does things is very much social worky, if that makes sense. So social work, you have six core values, which is service, social justice, dignity and worth of a person, importance of human relationships, integrity and competence. So service, like we're social workers, we are here to serve people, we're here to serve the community, serve groups, 
serve society to be better. Social justice, like we are fighting the injustices across the world. So that is racism. That is police brutality. That is child endangerment. That is um, food insecurity. That is um, the mental health crisis, the homeless, the chronic homelessness crisis. That is the suicide prevention. Um, and so anything that deals with social injustice, we are fighting to get the justice that our people need. A lot of us, we are the ears and mouth and advocacy for people who really can't speak up for themselves. Dignity and worth of a person, we honestly and truly as social workers, when we become a social worker, we sign an oath where we believe each and every person has dignity and worth, meaning they are the experts of their life, meaning I cannot come to a person and tell them how to run their life. I meet my clients where they are at, meaning I can create a plan based off of their assessment. But if they are not ready for that plan, it is not my job to force them to do that. It is my job to open their eyes to resources and to allow them to let me know where they're at and what they want to do and how I can support them in that decision. One thing about social work is we do not give advice, which if you all have heard me, um, I don't give advice, period. Because a lot of times the things that I do just doesn't work for other people. And a lot of times I have very unpopular opinions. And so a lot of the things that I would do, your typical person just wouldn't do. I don't, I don't follow the crowd. I don't, you know, I'm just kind of like, and I'm also the person when you come to, I'm like, well, what do you feel? Like, what's your first initial thought? People hate that because they want to answer, but I'm not going to give you an answer because half the time in my life, I don't even have an answer. So y'all. To come to me, well, let's be real. Okay, the importance of human relationships. So we believe that, like, you have to have human relationships. No person can really survive in this world without that relationship, without human inter interaction. There is a lot that we go through, and to go through it by ourselves is very, 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 very difficult. Yes, it, yes, you can hire me, you can hire a therapist, but honestly, like we're here to help you build that community. We're here to help you be the person you need to be to be to be able to interact with other humans. Integrity, y'all, like we're not trying to lie, we're not trying to um make stuff up. We work with integrity. We work, we had most of us, if you're a good social worker, you come with very good work ethic because you're working with people, you're dealing with people's lives. And it's very important to have that integrity. Our clients need to be able to trust us. Our families of our clients need to be able to trust us. Our communities, a person like me, I'm a community social worker. So I literally need communities of people to be able to trust me and know that I am working with integrity. I'm not trying to make you the poster child i'm not trying to make you um a story that you're not but literally i am looking out for the best interests of you and then competence know what you're doing stay in your lane when i think of competence i think of stay in your lane like me i'm not a micro social worker i'm not a therapist so i don't act as one okay i'm not a licensed clinical social worker so i'm not gonna act like a licensed clinical social worker i know community I know policy, I know advocacy, 
I know the community aspect of social work. I stay in my lane. I am not going to try to use my social work title and try to therapy you. That's not who I am. I am not going to go to your state and tell a state social worker how to do their job. That's your lane, that's your your competency, that's not mine, okay? But please don't come over here and try to tell me what I should or shouldn't do because I'm very good at what I do and I definitely stay in my lane, okay? So those are our six core values. And those are the values that we work off of. Like I said, you sign an oath. And then, of course, we do have a code of ethics that under each um, six core value, there's a bunch of just code of ethics that we go through. And the thing about social work is that uh, there's a lot of gray area. So it's not too much of you being able to have a black and white scenario. It's really up to the social worker, up to the client. There are a couple things where we are mandated reporters. So there, there are just things we have to report regardless of rapport or whatever. If it's for the better safety of the society, the better safety of the client. Like if we know about um, people wanting to harm themselves or harm other people, we do have to report that we do have a duty to protect not only our client, but protect the people around them. Because also too, no matter what sector of social work you're in, you have an oath to people in your community, in society. You have that oath. So despite whether it's a personal connection or not, when you decided to become a social worker, you took that oath. So that was those are the core values, which in my personal life, a lot of that is the same thing. So like my values, number one is always social justice. Um, we have a very unjust system, systems, in this country and in other countries too, but I like I do like to focus on the United States because we have a lot of broken systems and I don't and I've never been and I probably never will be the type of person to try to go to somebody else's backyard and try to fix it without fixing mine. That's not to say I don't care about what's going on in the world. What I'm saying is in order to help other people, I firmly believe we do have to start with ourselves. So like I'm very passionate about the education system. I'm very passionate about um, human relationships and making sure people are not alone and making sure people know that they have someone to go to. I am very service oriented person. I like to serve and I like to be assistance. I know everybody says I want to help people, but for me, I like to see people being healed, people being comfortable. I like to see people being in a safe place to be able to be themselves and to really address everything that they have going on. So a lot of the social work values do align with my personal values, which is definitely something that I appreciate. Integrity, like I, I want people to trust me. I want to be a trustworthy person. I want, I want people to know like Lisa's good at what she does and she's going to bring you to good stuff. And then I also want you to know like with competence, Lisa, ain't, Lisa is not about to be one of those workers that's about to do something that she doesn't know nothing about. Now I will connect you. I, I am the bomb at referring people. I will refer somebody in a quickness because I do believe in staying in my lane. I don't like having 10,000 10, different hats, honey. Absolutely not. Give me one. One hat is enough for me, okay? So with that being said, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, I'm going to kind of talk to you all about micro, meso, and macro social work.
Welcome back to the Healing She Got Faith Show. Happy Monday. Happy Social Work Month. Happy Women's History Month. Yes. So before the break, we talked about the six core values of social work. So I'm going to break down the three sectors of social work. So you have micro, which this is the social work that most people identify with. Um, most people understand. It makes sense to them. So when you think of micro social work, you think of one-on-one -on -one clients, you might think of emotional and health-related issues, caseworkers, school counselors, anything dealing with a client one-on-one, -on -one, that's micro. Micro literally means one. Then you also have clinical social workers. So if you decide to go on to get your clinical license, that's usually where you'll find people doing their private practices. Typically, they're going into therapy. They might get a couple different therapeutic certifications, classifications, um, just things of that nature. But typically, that is the setting where you see people having clients and working on working with their client one on one. I have personally never been interested in that. I thoroughly enjoyed groups. And then as I got into social worker, I enjoyed working with communities. So with that being said, that brings me to meso social worker. So meso is literally a group of people. So when you think of a group of people, it might be um, teenage mothers. It might be pregnant teens. It might be the LGBTQ community. It might be single fathers. It might be divorced or widow, widowed wives or it might be um, college students who are grieving. So literally groups, groups of people. Um, in St. Louis, we have a building dedicated just to refugees. So you might be a social worker that goes over there and literally works with the building of refugees that we have to help them get settled, to work with them, teach them life skills, help them get their paperwork. You might build programs for that group so that you can kind of collect data on the group and also provide a service for them. So it might be like, okay, well, I have 30, 30 people in this group and I need to provide an English as a second language class. So you collect the data, you see how effective it is, and that's kind of how you do mental work. Um, some examples of meso work is employee or mediation services, support groups, there's business social worker, um, community service manager, you do have group therapist, parenthood educator, and then um, uh, I had that on, on there twice, support group counselor. But so you can do group therapy, so you can go on to be a licensed, but you just might not be a therapist that does one-on-one -on -one. you do group therapy so that could be family therapy that could be uh, a a uh, that could be a meso social worker who decided that they want to do a therapy group with with teens in a foster care system or maybe teen adults aging out of the foster care system so with meso you literally your client is a group okay so you so instead of having one client you might have five and above you're all you're constantly doing group work. When I was getting my bachelor's of science, I did meso social work. I did it at the Boys and Girls Club in the city I was in. And I did a group at each school that we had a partnership with. And in that group, I had a certain amount of lessons that I had to give and I had to collect data off of it. The whole point of the group was to teach 
those kids how to interact with other people and really how to interact within a school setting. So these were kids that society might have considered underprivileged. Um, their school districts probably didn't have a lot of money. So you, we were teaching kids how to really interact and I guess you could say be a better student. That wasn't necessarily go, but also too, when you're doing these group works, you're not trying to teach people how to be better or how to change it. You're collecting data to see the different people. And it honestly depends on the type of data you're, you are collecting. But with the type of work that I was doing, I was collecting data so I can develop more programs and to see the outcome. So there's always an input, there's always an outcome. So really input, output, really I was collecting those data, that data to truly be able to service the kids that I needed to service. Then we get to my favorite, yes, which is macro. So from the jump, I've always known I would be macro because I've always just loved the aspect of community. So macro is literally whole communities, okay? So your client is not a group. It's not my, it's not one-on-one, -on -one, but it's literally whole community. So like you might be like, you might be in a city and your whole community is like the West side, okay? That is your community. You are building policies. You are building programs. You are working with community leaders. You are doing stuff for that community. You are their social worker. And not to say like it falls on one social worker. Like there's obviously more people, especially if you work for an agency. But that is your niche. That is your people. That is what you are trying to do. So examples of macro social work is policy, lobbying, social change, a community organizer, a lobbyist, a professor of social policy, a program developer, or a researcher. So macro social workers do a lot of research, which makes sense for me because I read a lot. I like to collect data. I like to figure out new things. I like to provide, um, provide opportunities for people and like to definitely be that person that like knows how to gather resources, knows how to do referrals. I am the community social worker where I do work with psychologists. I do work with sociologists. I do work with um, the CDC. I work with therapists. I work with the hospitals. I work with people to create resources and rapport with the community so that the community can grow and be better. I am one of those people where I'm not into politics, but I will have workshops on how to teach people how to vote, how to research, how to look. I will teach people how to find out lawmakers. And also, too, again, if it's not my competency, I have that connection where I can bring people in. I can, cre you know, create a safe create a safe place and then invite a trusted politician to come in or a trusted um, I don't know, farmers to come in to talk to us if I'm trying to teach about like algae culture. Obviously, I'm not in algae culture, so I would find somebody, which honestly would be my business partner, to come in and talk to my community about that. Um, I, so with that, you're servicing whole community. So how I got into social work, honestly, was from when I was about 12, I knew I never wanted to be a teacher, a police officer, a famous person. 
I just always knew that I wanted to be involved with people. So I know typical people are like, okay, like I want to help people. Okay, cool. But with me, it was like I I had this vision of being able to have a sense of community, but at the time I didn't know what it was called. I kind of like I always visioned this like block. And in the block, we had all type of things going on. So we had like a center at the end of the block that you could use it as a computer, a computer room. You can study, you can have yoga there, you can have sports classes, just different types of things. I've always wanted a block with like a library and a public library in it, maybe even a school. And then we can utilize those buildings. And so when I was in college, one, Never wanted to go to college, so I never wanted my bachelor's, never wanted my master's, never wanted the education. I just, I have never been in love with school. I don't enjoy it. That's not to say that it wasn't useful. It definitely gave me the voice that I needed. But to say that I liked education, no. With that being said, um, I went through a couple different major, like actual majors in college changes. And one of my mentors, I remember she asking me, like, well, Lisa, like, what is it that you want to do? Like, what is it? So I told her my vision. And she's like, well, it sounds like you really want to do social work. It sounds like you have a social work background already. You probably just need the credentials to be able to do what you want to do. So I was like, okay, cool. So I went and changed my major to social work, enrolled into all the social work one-on-one courses, and... These were the first classes that I thoroughly enjoyed. Like, I was like, oh, okay, like, this stuff is actually fun to learn. Um, I'm actually willing to come to class. I'm actually willing to sit and learn. I'm actually intrigued by what I am learning. And it gave me that voice to truly know who I am and what it is that I'm doing, which obviously I, I love that. So I fell in love with social work. So social work ended up being one of the loves of my life. Like, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my calling. But I noticed that I took a very different route from the people around me. Okay? So we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about how my route was a little different than the people around me. Because... That was a wake up call because even when you found, even when I found my calling, it was still different. So come back because we're going to finish talking about that. Welcome back to the Healing She Got Fake Show. We are in our last half of the show, maybe a little under a half. But, anyways, this episode has been so good, y'all. I hope y'all are thoroughly enjoying it. So, yes, as I was saying before, um, so I found my calling, I found what it was I was supposed to be doing. And typically in your social work program, once you hit a certain period, your classmates are literally the same thing. Honestly, y'all, your classmates and classes are probably all in the same room. It gets really confusing because you your classes start mixing with each other. But what I noticed was a lot of people were going the micro route. And I was like, I just thoroughly don't enjoy the micro route. Like, I don't prosper. I don't have a lot of productivity when I'm working one-on-one with people. It's just not my thing. And, and it's hard to say that when everybody else around you is going that route. Like, okay, like, 
people knew, okay, I want to be a therapist. Like people knew, okay, like I'm going to go apply to the state. I'm going to go apply to this agency. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. And I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to do with community social work? Like, what the heck does that even look like? Like, why, like out of all the things, why did I choose that? Okay. <laughs> like, it was so disheartening, y'all, because I was just like, dang, like, I finally found my place, but here I am. I'm an outcast again. Like, I'm, I can't figure this thing out. So, I started talking to some of my professors, and I, I'll never forget when I was graduating from my bachelor's of science and social work, one of my professors came up to me at the end, and she was like, Lisa, I remember you coming into social work, and I remember you being in the class, and you just look so defeated. And I remember looking at you, Lisa, and I remember saying, she's not coming back next semester. I never knew that until I was graduating. And I ended up having that teacher every semester until I graduated, okay? Every semester until I graduated. And when she told me that, she was like, you know, I'm apologizing to you because I had doubted you before I even knew you. She was like, you ended up coming here and you're so energetic. You're really good. She's like, even though you don't like micro social work, you're actually really, really good at it. But I also understand that you just don't enjoy it. Like you can be good at something and not enjoy it, which that's a word for somebody. Somebody needed to hear that. Okay. Um, so she apologized, which was huge for me because one, nobody had ever really apologized to me. But two, like she was honest, like pretty much like, girl, I, I just knew you wasn't going to make it. And here you are about to graduate with this bachelor's, okay? So with that being said, um, it really it really kind of hit, hit, hit me because I was like, dang, like I straight did it. I straight seven majors later, finally found my one. And I was super proud and I was super excited but again, what the heck am I going to do with this macro social work degree? What jobs can I get? So in my head, my typical jobs were the YMCA, the Boys and Girls Club, community centers, um, something do, dealing with policy, lobbyists, but lobbyists don't make money. I could become a professor, but I don't want to go to school to be a social worker to become a teacher. Like, no. And actually... Funny story, I was an education major, and you honestly could not tell me I would not be a principal. I had a whole vision to be a teacher, take the practice exam, get certified in all the subjects I could pass via the practice, and take the principal test and become a principal and develop develop this whole principal coalition because that's how passionate I was about it. And really that stemmed from the education system I came from because I came from an education system that was literally created for all of us to fail. Oh, that's a good episode, y'all. And I, and I know who I'm going to invite to talk about that because... It was real. It was real. I was set up to fail from the education system from day one. Okay. Because of everything I went through, I was determined to change the education system because there was kids like me who were super smart, but we were very overlooked. And because we were overlooked, our reading levels were not high. Our intelligence wasn't that high. 
we were super smart. We were super creative. We were super energetic, but we were lacking the support because we were overlooked. If you were that child who came in and sat down and was quiet, you passed. And that's exactly who I was, at least the first two years of my high school career. Junior, senior year, I kind of started to get a voice and started kind of to, you know, develop a personality. But I I used to use school as a facade because I had to grow up at a very young age. And so I had this fear of people looking at me and being so disappointed in me. So school was my getaway of being like the perfect person. So like at home, I could be a little terror. But when I was at school, like I was the best student, I was the best person. And I did that for attention because I needed the attention. I was not, there was nobody feeding life into me. I wasn't being told I was beautiful. I wasn't being told I was smart. My test scores were absolutely terrible. So like, yeah, I was a smart student, but like, you couldn't tell by paper. So I felt like I had to prove myself because I knew that like my intelligence, my smart, like I was street smart. I definitely wasn't book smart, which whew, talk about a life, a life to live because there comes an expectation when you are street smart, but you're not book smart. But also too, like I didn't fit in with most people. Like I know a lot of people, I get along with a lot of people, but like to actually have a place that you feel in, which is probably why I do know so many people, which is probably why I went into macro social work, because there wasn't just a one size fit all for me. I was kind of that person that, oh yeah, that's Lisa. Like, yeah, you know, Lisa. Oh yeah, you know what she's doing. Oh yeah, Lisa's successful. Oh yeah, Lisa does this. Lisa does that. Oh yeah, we not worried about it. Lisa always doing this. Like, I was that person, but to actually have people that were like, hey, like, how are you? Are you okay? What's what's going on? Because I didn't have that, I had to create that. And in creating that led me to where I'm at today. Okay. <laughs> so, and I feel like a lot of my listeners can honestly relate to that. I feel like I became the person that I needed. And I do believe that I created this space that I needed for myself. And a lot of that just comes to years and years of me finding who I am and years and years of me really creating the type of environment and person that I wanted to be. Like, I'm very comfortable in my skin. I'm very comfortable in my story. I'm very comfortable in what I do and what I say and just things of that nature. So I'm very happy to be doing the things that I do. And I think a lot of that just comes from me finally believing in myself and finally realizing, you know, even to this day, I always say like, I know a lot of people, but like, I just don't have a group of people that are like thoroughly committed. Like, I don't have a group of professionals that I can call and like, just have a one-on-one with them. I don't have a group of friends that I could just call and like, oh, like we go out every Wednesday, we go on girls trips or French trips or anything like that. Again, I have a lot of good people in my life and I have a lot of people that I speak to, but to have that placement in life, which is something that I've always struggled with, is just something that I've just had to become okay with. And I've had to become okay with knowing that like what is in my life is for me and that doesn't make me less of a person 
but I have the advantage of knowing who I am and what I can do. And I have that advantage of that competence of knowing what I will and won't do. Okay. All right. So we're going to take one last break. And when I, when I come back, we're going to finish up this conversation of me be being a social worker and some housekeeping. Welcome back. I'm so sad because we're coming to an end. This hour goes by so freaking fast, y'all. Like super, super, super fast. Um, so I kind of, you know, kind of just got real honest with you all, which I mean, it's just part of who I am. That's part of that integrity piece about just finding my place in life and finding who I am and what that looks like. And just being honest about where I'm at in life, which is not always the easiest thing to do. And I think one of the hardest things I deal with in life is because I am a macro social worker and I do a lot of different things. So I have my grief groups. I have the Healing She Got Faith radio talk show. I have the Everyone Has a Story book bundle. I have a book club starting. I have my online bookstore. So with all of that being said, a lot of people look at me and was like, oh, yeah, you went to school to be a social worker and you're doing all these things. And that's so hurtful, y'all, because everything that I'm doing literally is under Healing She Got Faith, which is my organization. And it's also part of macro social work. It is not just, oh, Lisa's doing all these things to make money. Because, honey, like, trust me, I'm not a millionaire. And trust me, some months I make money and other months, you know, we we praying that we can afford some bread. I mean, uh, let's just be honest. Um, so with that being said, it's always... It's always just hurtful. And again, it's not people being malicious. It's not people trying to hurt me. It's literally just one of those things of people genuinely just don't know and don't understand, which is why I'm an advocate for social workers in general. And I don't care what sector you're, you're from. But macro social workers specifically, and then even deeper, black and brown social workers, because there is a lack of representation of black and brown social workers. And even like, indigenous social workers because that's a that's a whole nother realm of social work and there is a lot of social workers who work on reservations there are a lot of social workers who work with indigenous people and a lot of indigenous people in their reservations become social workers and they deserve just as much support as like your typical middle-aged white woman social worker and that's not to negate anybody like you know, like, I love Brian Brown. She's a social worker who has done tremendous research. So I'm not negating the fact that she's a good social worker. But there does need to be representation of Black, Brown, and, and Indigenous social workers. And so I'm very passionate about that. I'm also very passionate about macro social work in the sense of, like, I'm going to teach people what that is. I'm going to teach people that one-on-one -on -one social work is not the only type of social work. Not to negate that micro social workers are not doing their job they are like trust me i know some dope social workers it's just i am in the field of educating people and advocating for social work okay that is my purpose of it i am not trying to make anybody feel bad i am not trying to make anybody feel a certain kind of way but i'm very passionate about my people and i'm very passionate about getting that out there okay so 
you know, today's episode was really to teach you on put shine a light on social work. And we're definitely gonna finish this conversation. So next episode, we're actually gonna talk about community social work versus clinical social work and what that looks like and why that is so important. Because honestly, y'all, we need to be educated on these things. We need to know because even if this doesn't affect you, knowing the difference, you can refer somebody. You know how to help somebody if somebody is in need of stuff. Like a lot of times people just say you go to therapy, but like if you're having a housing crisis, you know, there are social workers who help with that. If you're having, um, if you're a mother with postpartum, there are social workers to help you out that. If you are a single father or a father dealing with the court system, there are social workers to help you with that. We're advocates. And I think that's the most important takeaway of this conversation is social work are the communities, the society, the world's advocates. Like we literally took an oath to better this world. In every country, in every continent, all over the world, if we could get out to the different planets, we would do it there too. If we could get out to the different galaxies, we would do it there too. Okay. Um, I will. I'll end with this. Most social workers' dream is to not be needed anymore. We want to create a world where social workers aren't needed. We want to put ourselves out of a job. And that's such a social worky answer, but that's just how passionate most of us are about the things that we're working, about the people and things that we're working with. So I hope you all, this, this episode was a little different than what I've done in the past. And then, you know, with the it was different from February. So I hope you all were educated on this. And I hope you all enjoyed it. And I hope you all like really understand what social work. We're definitely gonna continue the conversation um, next week, we will be talking about community social work versus clinical social work, which I think is going to be so dope. Okay. Um, just some housekeeping things, y'all. We have our online bookstore. You can go to Healing She Got Faith. Actually, no, you can't. You can go to bookshop.org slash shop slash Healing She Got Faith. We have an online bookshop, and I do have some social work reads on there. We will be launching a grief group where it will be a 10-week program. And it's going to be a grief group, but with a twist. So with what that means is I will actually be helping you create your manuscript for your story. And I, I am really encouraging people to turn their pain into their passion. And I will help you within those 10 weeks to do that. April is Healing She Got Faith's second birthday, so we will be having a celebration. One of the celebrations that we will be doing is we will be having a book club. So we will meet every Tuesday in the month of April, and we will be discussing the um, Everyone Has a Story book bundle, okay? Um, make sure if you didn't listen to any of the shows last week that you catch the replays they will be in the show notes. You can also always go to healingshegotfaith.org slash links to stay in touch. Also, our Healing She Got Faith blog is back. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited about that. So make sure you join the email list. Make sure you join. Um, make sure you get the notifications to to get the blog. So the blogs are released every Wednesday. Okay. All this will be in the show notes. 
and with the replays and on YouTube. So yeah, y'all, I hope y'all have a great rest of your Monday. Today's episode was very educational, very good. I hope you enjoyed it. I love you all. Please remember to always love you the way you love the world. You are worthy, okay? I love you all. Talk to you next week.